Hello, friends. Welcome to Resting Church Face, a podcast. I am your host, Amanda Allen, and this is episode five. And this week, we are going to be introducing a new series, and it is called The Movies That Shaped Me. And we're going to talk about the first set of movies that I can remember seeing, and it's really a trilogy. And that trilogy is Star Wars. So sit back, relax, get some roast porg, some Yoda stew. Yes, I looked those up. And let's go back a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Let's get started. So the first movie I can remember going to see in the theater as a kid was in 1983. I was three years old. And it was Return of the Jedi. And I don't remember much of actually sitting and watching the movie, but I have little hazy memories of holding my dad's hand in the lobby. And there were tons of people there. So we had to stand in line for tickets. And I remember looking over to my left and seeing this cardboard cutout of Luke Skywalker in all his glory in his black Jedi outfit and lightsaber. And even though I don't remember the actual sitting down and watching of the movie, I can't remember a time that Star Wars wasn't a big deal in my family's entertainment life. We had all three of the movies on VHS. Um, we had a little TV in our motorhome that would lower from the c- ceiling, <laughs> a little VCR beneath it, and we would watch movies over and over. And those three movies were high on the rotation. You could not convince me that there was anyone more handsome or and romantic than Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi. We'll talk about that later. But he held like top placement in my heart until 1989 when Prince Eric uh, and the Little Mermaid arrived. And yes, he was knocked out of the running by a cartoon. But I will say also, if you have come to really get an in-depth dive on Star Wars, like it, this is not the place. I my my niece and my nephew, Madeline is 10, Derek is 8. My friend Major, he's also 8. They know everything about Star Wars. They can tell you the names of like just the person that walked across the screen. They're like, "Oh, that's Boba Iedepepu whatever." They always start with something. I feel like Boba Fett is the only one I know. So if you're coming to like, you know, find out what the Slarnak pit is about, is it Slarnak? Slarnak, Slarn. See, see, I don't know. I know it's a big, scary pit with a lot of teeth. <laughs> In Return of the Jedi, so if you're coming to really talk about all that kind of stuff and know the definitions of the different weaponry that they're using, this is not the place. This is just going to be a fun talk about the things that I remember about Star Wars and the things that I find hilarious now, and the things that still work. We're also not going to be talking so much about the movies that were released in the early 2000s. And the movies that were released a few years ago, because I'm really just going to focus on the first three that were made in 1977, 1980, and 1983, because those are the ones that really left their imprint upon me. So let's get started, and let's get started with the first character. Let's start with Luke. So I thought about starting this all off with John Williams' famous Star Wars theme song, but that cost a lot of money to do. 
So I asked my niece and nephew, Madeline and Derek, if they would sing me their version of the Cantina song, which they did perfectly. So thank you guys. That was exactly what I wanted. It happens when Darth Vader catches Princess Leia on Star Wars 4. And that is not good because Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan come to rescue. What, tell us anything else. What, what do you, why do you like Star Wars? Um, because it's awesome. But what makes it so awesome? Because it has some of my favorites in it. Who's your favorite character in Star Wars? Um, okay, let me think. <gasps> I know. Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker is your favorite? He was my favorite, too. Why is he your favorite? Because I want to be a Force man. That was my nephew, Derek, and he did go on to tell me that he had used the Force and it was successful. And I asked him how it was successful, and he said that he used the Force to make Madeline, his sister, clean his room. So, yay to being a Force man. So, Luke Skywalker, first introduced in the 1977 movie Star Wars A New Hope, Episode 4. He is played by Mark Hamill. And really, the character kind of goes through this whole transformation of being a really bratty teenager in the first movie to being a really mature Jedi adult in Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. And I rewatched A New Hope this week just in order to remind myself of the movie. And I had forgotten, I guess I didn't realize, how bratty his character is in A New Hope. He's so irritating. Um, like the first things, one of the very first things that he says in the whole movie is to his uncle, when his uncle asks him to do something, he says, but I was going to, I was going into Tashi station to pick up some power converters. And he pretty much says it exactly like that. And I was like, oh, but I think it's an intentional choice by George Lucas to have him be super immature in the beginning. He's just a teenager. He's been on this planet that is very boring. I mean, they live in the middle of nowhere in a desert, and he really only has his uncle and aunt who have the most unfortunate haircuts in any movie. Well, not any movie, but in a lot of movies. They're like the quintessential bad 70s <laughs> like attire. They have matching haircuts. And his aunt is wearing some sort of like paisley. Like where does she find that in the desert? That's my question. But anyway, I'm also kind of. Um, in intrigued by Luke's hair in the first movie. He has really good bangs. And for those of us who've, ha who've had bangs, and I've had bangs for a long time, I don't anymore, but I used to, it's really hard to get your bangs to style. And his seemed very effortless. So kind of impressed by that. But here's what I find really humorous about the Luke Skywalker character to me as an adult now. When I was a child, I did not really care much about him in A New Hope. He, you know, he was fine. And really, arguably, this is probably his best-looking moment in these movies because Mark Hamill, the actor, famously had a terrible car accident between the making of A New Hope and uh, Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. And so at the beginning of The Empire Strikes Back, they have him be in a terrible accident out in a blizzard. Um, he's really beaten up to explain the fact that they really had to reconstruct a lot of his face. So there's a notable, noticeable difference in his face in A New Hope and by the end of the movie of Return of the Jedi. I did not care about A New Hope, Luke. I liked beaten up, <laughs> rugged Luke from Return of the Jedi. And this kind of started when I was around six years old. Um, I had a dream that I still remember 
that he rescued me. I was hanging off of a cliff and Luke Skywalker swooped in out of nowhere wearing his black Jedi outfit and like took me to safety. And I remember thinking, oh, well, this is the man I'm going to marry. (laughs) And, you know, did it occur to me that I was six and he was probably in his 30s? No, because I just figured he he would remain the same age while I just caught up, you know. And then by the time I was old enough, he would still be the same age and we would then get married. Because, you know, I really thought of Luke Skywalker, the character, as a person. The the idea that there was somebody playing him did not enter into my consciousness. He was just a real person kind of floating around out there. So Luke Skywalker was my first real character crush. <laughs> but, you know, as, as the series progresses, he does a lot of questionable things. And we'll talk about that with some of the other characters. Um, and it's really not the fan favorite that I thought he was <laughs> so much as an adult. I, I look now at Han Solo, who we will also talk about. And I think, what was I thinking? Because, I mean, Han Solo is, is obviously the choice if you're wanting a romantic lead, but not to six-year-old me. So the next character is that we can talk about is the the most famous bad evil character. And that I only have to do one thing. I don't even have to say his name. And this is all that it takes is yes, that noise, that noise used to strike fear into me because it was Darth Vader. And in the early eighties, I don't know if some of you remember this, but they used to have these tapes that you could play. They were cassette tapes and they were basically like a reenactment of a movie. So I had a cassette tape that was the empire strikes back and it was a reenactment of the movie. And they had like a little lines from the movie. They would like throw in. So you would actually hear Luke saying stuff or Leia. And there was a big moment in that tape (laughs) where the Imperial March would start, you know, and and then you'd hear the, and I would just freeze. I can remember like listening to that and covering myself up with a blanket on my, with my tape recorder and being like, Oh, he's so scary. Cause I could just see in my mind, Darth Vader, you know, with his black helmet, just walking with purpose and his, you know, just scary voice. And then, of course, I'd rewind it and listen to it again because I kind of liked being scared. But he was, uh, you know, he was the first bad guy that I could remember ever seeing on film. And he really was terrifying. So James Earl Jones, you know, is the voice of Darth Vader. And he's just perfect. He's got this, like, weird, he's not British, but he's not really American sounding. It's just a voice all to itself. And, you know... <laughs> You disappoint me. I can't do it. But it's very, very scary. Um, I do remember being slightly disappointed (laughs) when you see the helmet come off at the end of Return of the Jedi when Luke is cradling his head and thinking, really? Really? That was what was underneath the helmet? (laughs) Because I really thought he was going to be much more mysterious and scary looking. And he was basically just, you know, an old, short, pale white man. So, you know, I feel like that could have been done a little bit better. I do remember the moment when he tells Luke that he is his father. And, you know, Luke screams, no! I was shocked. I I was just like, how could this awful person be the father of my future husband? So I guess now he's going to have to be in my family. Darth Vader will be part of my family. And I just just accepted it because, you know, what else was I going to do? But Darth Vader is the first scary, scary villain. And, you know, he can kill people by just, like, doing his fingers at them and they'll choke to death. 
It's very scary. He can pick people up with one hand with no problem. Um, but he is, of course, as we all know, spoiler. I mean, if you haven't seen Star Wars, I'm, I'm really not going to even say spoilers because it's been, you know, 40 something years. Go watch it. But he is redeemed, of course, at the end. He saves Luke's life. And, you know, it's a happy reunion. Not It's a short-lived reunion, <laughs> but it is happy. Um, and, of course, he does, you know, it does end with Luke burning him ceremoniously um, as all Jedis uh, go to meet their maker. Okay, so now let's talk about our other characters that are pretty big deals. So the next two characters I want to talk about kind of go together, or I just think of them together when I think of them. And that would be Princess Leia and Han Solo. So let's start with Princess Leia, played by Carrie Fisher. She has amazing hair. She had cinnamon bun hairstyles. (laughs) She had braids. She had those long, really uh, flowing tresses in Return of the Jedi, and I just thought they were amazing. And she also wore a gold bikini really well. I remember watching that scene in Return of the Jedi where she's wearing the gold bikini and she's, you know, being enslaved by Jabba the Hutt, the slug creature, and thinking, I wish I had a gold bikini. (laughs) That would be so cool. And then I remember thinking, how would you swim in that bikini? (laughs) I feel like that would just drag you down. Um, But, you know, I've talked to many guys (laughs) who say that that still is like the moment, the first beautiful woman that they'd ever seen. It was that moment of Princess Leia in a gold bikini. Um, So she's a princess, but she's feisty. She really doesn't have to wait around for a guy to save her. In fact, the first thing she says to Luke Skywalker when he shows up is, you're pretty short for a stormtrooper, huh? So she's just kind of what every girl wanted to be. She's pretty, but she doesn't really seem to be aware of it because she's more interested in getting things done. Um, she's also super sarcastic. She doesn't take things from anybody. And she has a comeback for everything that Han Solo says. She was raised on the planet of Alderaan. And we find out later, of course, that she is the twin sister of Luke Skywalker, which we will get into that later also. But you kind of see, well, you don't kind of see, you can totally see why she and Han Solo are perfect for each other. Let's talk about Han Solo. Han Solo played by Harrison Ford, who I just love still. And in rewatching this movie, I've realized that he's just kind of everything that every girl really wants in a guy, right? He is cocky and kind of full of himself, but he's also got this vulnerable side because he's really underneath just a good guy. Um, and when he is on your team, he is on your team 100% and he will fight for you. And he's sarcastic all the time. And you just, you know, He's always kind of jokey, but in an encouraging way. <laughs> and so he and Leia, you know, they're they're sparring back and forth. She has a snarky comeback for everything he says. And you can totally see why they get together. Um, he is uh, a criminal, but in a good way, I guess. When we first meet him in the cantina, he is on the run from Jabba the Hutt, which come back, comes back to bite him in the end in Return of the Jedi. Um, but... He's a good criminal in that he is fighting for the right things, I guess. He owns the Millennium Falcon, um, the fastest ship in the Empire, in the galaxy. And we first meet him when Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi commission him to take them to Alderaan to rescue Princess Leia and to join the Rebel Alliance. So his counterpart is, of course, Chewbacca, the Wookiee, who is a tall alien who speaks in gargle. (laughs) 
I don't think he, he actually says any words, but Han Solo inexplicably understands everything that he says and they're besties. Um, Han is kind of the, the brains and I guess Chewbacca is the brawn. And then of course, you know, he does fall for Princess Leia and the most romantic scene and probably the most wonderful scene between the two of them to me anyway, is when he's being frozen in carbonite right before he's about to go in. Leia calls out, I love you. And he says, I know. Oh, it's so good. And I actually read that that was just an added line by Harrison Ford. He just decided to say that on one of the takes. And they were like, oh, that's perfect. Because it really just kind of encapsulates everything that is Han Solo and probably Harrison Ford. I feel like the Han Solo character is really like, it's very similar to Indiana Jones, which is another George Lucas creation. It's like Indiana Jones in space. (laughs) But that's why we like him, right? (laughs) Because he's just a likable guy. And then we have some other characters that are pretty important. We have the two mentors in Luke Skywalker's life that were Jedis. One is Obi-Wan Kenobi, played by Sir Alec Guinness, who was probably the most esteemed actor of all of the people in the Star Wars movies at that time. And in rewatching A New Hope, I realized that they're really not together that much in the movie. It's like a day and a half that he gets to know Obi-Wan Kenobi, but... He stays with him. He becomes his mentor for the rest of the movies. He's the voice in his head. He's the conscience for Luke Skywalker. Of course, you find out that he was Darth Vader's mentor himself. He was his teacher, his his Jedi instructor. Um, I guess his uh, Darth Vader was his Padawan. <laughs> I learned this from Major, my eight-year-old friend, uh, who you will hear from in just a little bit. Uh, we were playing in his house when he was a lot younger and we were playing pretend lightsabers and he he uh, struck me down and I, I was dying, a death scene. And he said in a very anguished voice, you were my Padawan. <laughs> and I'll never forget it. Um, so Obi-Wan Kenobi, very important character. And then we have Yoda, who is like the green frog who speaks in a very distinct way. There is no try. <laughs> There is do or do not. I probably mangled that and somebody is screaming at their phone right now or at the radio. Um, But he also sounds a lot like Miss Piggy, if you think about it. I feel like maybe they're related in Muppetville or Muppet Land. Have very similar voices. And I think they are voiced by Frank Oz, so that makes sense. But um, he is arguably, I think, the most likable of the Jedis because he's just... He's sympathetic, but he's he's firm and he's strong and he's funny and he's a little he's a little mean. He gets a little tetchy. He's an elderly man. <laughs> he just wants to go to sleep and eat a stew sometimes. And don't we all feel like that? Um, so there's that's Yoda. And then we have the two droids, which this is one thing that I think Star Wars Star Wars does really well. And George Lucas too. You've got R2D2, who is just the little the little droid, android that just goes doop 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 doop. But he has a personality. Like, you begin to care about this character who never actually says words and doesn't have a face, really. But you can feel what he wants and the way that he beeps and boops. And, of course, his translator is his friend C-3PO, the android, the gold android, who, again, in rewatching A New Hope, is one of the the best characters. He's, He's like that dry British sensibility that I appreciate. He's funny. Um, He's also slightly hysterical, and he is, a lot of times, the comedic relief. And then just a few other characters that kind of come into play. We have Lando Calrissian, who is a frenemy, I would say, of Han Solo in the beginning. And, of course, he becomes a full-fledged good guy by the end of the series. And then we have uh, Boba Fett, who a lot of 
a lot of people like Boba Fett. A lot of kids like Boba Fett. He is the bounty hunter that um, captures Han, takes him to Jabba the Hutt, and we think has this terrible demise in the Slarnak pit. But we find out later, you know, a few years ago when the new uh, Boba Fett series came up on Disney that he survived that. Um, but he has um, a bigger part to play, mainly in the Clone Wars movies, those kind of movies that come into play. So those are the kind of peripheral characters and the main characters. And then let's talk about the villains. So we've already talked a little bit about Darth Vader, and we've talked about Jabba the Hutt, who is a slug with a tongue. But there are two other villains, one of which I don't think gets enough credit. And the, that one would be Peter Cushing's portrayal of General Tarkin. He's just a scary looking guy. He's very hollowed out. Very deathly. <laughs> I would not run into, run into him in a dark alley. And in fact, I found out later that he played Professor Van Helsing in a Dracula movie, and that makes perfect sense to me. The other villain, of course, is a very scary, terrifying villain that is the bad guy through most of all of the movies. Um, and that is Emperor Palpatine, played by Ian McDermott. McDiarmid, I can't, it's very hard to pronounce his last name, but he is super, super horrifying. He is like that weird face that like collapsed in on itself and those eyes. And he says a lot of hissy things like you die and electricity shoots out of his fingers. He almost kills Luke until Darth Vader swoops in and saves him to his own demise. But yeah, those two villains, I think kind of round out the Star Wars uh, empire <laughs> in the best way. So now we're going to talk about the parts of Star Wars that did not stand the test of time. The things that we watch now, we go, eh, it's a little weird. One is in the first movie in episode four, A New Hope. It's uh, the lack of Princess Leia's supportive undergarments. <laughs> Leia needs a bra. <laughs> Let's just say it. Um, she is freewheeling for a lot of that, <laughs> a lot of that movie in that white outfit. Um, it's distracting and a little jarring. Just a little bit. Uh, secondly, in Return of the Jedi, you know, when she's explaining, when Princess Leia is explaining to Han Solo that she is into him and not Luke, she's like, he's my brother. And Han Solo's like, what? And she's all like, I've always known it. Have you? Because if you've always known it, why would you lay a big smackaroo on him in Empire Strikes Back? I mean, I realize she's trying to make Han Solo jealous, but if you know that's your brother or if you sense it, let's not do that. Because... I don't know about you, but if, if a sibling of mine that I didn't know was a sibling had kissed me in a kissy-kiss way, I don't think I could get over that. Years later, I'd still be laying in bed at night going, uh. So that's a little odd. And I feel like it's kind of glossed over and we don't seem to care much about it. <laughs> it's just, it is what it is. The other thing, and all I seem to pertain to Princess Leia, but I feel like they, it, it, it is what it is. She also... Tells Han so or tells Luke that she remembers their mother, but we all know that like she was taken from her mother immediately, and like she's like a day old when she's given over to the other people. How do you remember your mother? Is that a Jedi thing? Maybe I guess maybe. And then the only other thing that I really was watching it, and I was like, what is in A New Hope when Anthony Daniels as C three PO is they're they're like going across the plains looking for R two D two. And they can't find him because he's, you know, he's taken off to find Obi-Wan Kenobi. 
And <laughs> they're going across the desert. And Luke says, there's a droid ahead on the scanner. Might be our little R2 unit. Well, you're in the desert. What other droid is it going to be? I don't understand. There's nothing out there. Of course, it's R2-D2. So those are small things. And so honestly, in the large scheme of things, there's really not anything that doesn't hold up in those three movies that's, you know, really terrible. But those are the things that I found just a little interesting. And maybe, you know, we could tweak those now. One of the reasons I like Star Wars is all the cool machines that the dark side has because they have really cool weaponry. They can go anywhere and even travel through space. For example, one of my favorite machines is the AT-AT. It has four legs, it's really tall, and has great weapons. I also like Boba Fett ship because it has a seismic charge and missiles that can lock on to any target. So Major brings us into our final discussion, which is what holds up in Star Wars. What still is great? Stands the test of time. And obviously, the first one would be special effects. Those were amazing. In the 70s and 80s when that came out, to see the space scenes and the aliens and the lightsabers and the machinery and the the ships, all of those things were unreal, especially in the time that it was released. And I also love that George Lucas has now gone back and added even more special effects now that we have more options and now that CGI has come such a long way, which makes the films even better. Secondly, I think that Star Wars holds up for girls. <laughs> girls get a really fair shake in the Star Wars universe. They are not just objects that sit around and look pretty. They fight alongside the guys. They take care of business, especially Princess Leia. She is a no-nonsense woman. She's smart. She's funny. She's pretty. But she is her own person. And I think that that is a great message to send to girls that, you know, you don't have to wait for a guy to rescue you. You can take your, you can take care of things if you need to. Um, I also think, and I don't want to speak for George Lucas because I don't know exactly what he was aiming for, but it has a great message of unity. I mean, all of the aliens and humans are friends. Um, Lando Calrissian is an African-American at a time in movies when they really didn't have as good parts. I mean, we're still struggling with that. Could there have been more African-Americans and other races in the Star Wars franchise, especially in the beginning? Absolutely. But at that time, I mean, I feel like he was making a statement because race is never mentioned. And I love that. They're just friends and they are working together toward a common goal. So that's a great message. And then I also think Star Wars just does a great job of telling a good story. It is a fairy tale that you can get lost in. And you can watch it with your whole family. And I can't say that for a lot of movies today. Like, you know, you'll be watching a movie and then one thing will happen. You're like, well, I can't show my kids this. This is a movie that you can enjoy. Um, and so that definitely holds up. And so to close out our discussion about Star Wars, I think my niece Madeline just sums it up perfectly. I love it because, like, it has some silly parts in it. And, like, um... It's really fun to watch because, like, if I'm needing a good chuckle, I just watch it and then, bam, I'm laughing. So, everybody, if you haven't watched Star Wars, you need to watch it because if you don't, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. So, this week, I want to talk about something that was a Christmas gift from Cam and Ashley and Major, and it is something that I did not even know I needed in my life, and now I don't know how I've 
done without it. And those are plugs that have timers, specifically for the outdoor porch lights. So they got me a set of timer plugs and one I put outside of my porch because I have some porch lights that are like little cafe lights, Edison bulb type things. And every night I was having to go out and unplug and plug those in. And sometimes it's raining and it's cold or there are bugs and I don't want to do it. This has made my life so simple because I just set it to come on at sunset. And I also use the other one for my indoor living room lamp. So it just pops on. I don't have to think about it. And now I'm just like, I'm going to order a bunch of them because I think my whole life needs to be timed on these timer plugs. It's just so easy. So they got mine on Amazon and the brand is Casa, K-A-S-A. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, They're not that expensive. They're fantastic. And so I would recommend them highly. So yes, go out and get yourself some timed plugs. They will change your life. guys that's it for this episode thank you so much for hanging out with me again this week and thank you for telling all of your friends who are telling their friends I'm having so much fun and I love that we're building up a little community of friends so if you could keep liking and following and subscribing and if you could take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that means so much and I'd love for you to join us on Instagram it's really easy at resting church face I hope you have a wonderful week and let's get together again soon <laughs>